0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host, Angel Gray, and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more,
2: go to ricknow.org. Enjoy the show. We have figured out as a country how to send people into spaceships and to be on other planets. Just think about that. But here's what we haven't done in eight years. Figured out How to Stop Russell Wilson.
0: Welcome back, football fans, to Prospects 101. Again, this is the show where we break down football prospects from the entire spectrum. We're talking high school recruiting. We're talking college transfers. We're talking uh, college recruiting. And, of course, NFL prospects and the NFL draft. And, and as always, Prospects 101 is presented to you by Blue Wire Pods and Online. And as always, you can interact with us on social media, and that's at Prospects101Pod. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us and, and reach out and interact with us. We love talking football. We love talking high school recruiting. Uh, we love talking college recruiting. We love talking NFL draft. So uh, make sure you follow us, interact with us. We're always on there. We And again, we've, we've gotten incredible support from all of our fans so far about the show and the new direction of the show. So uh, keep on uh, interacting with us again on social media. And as always, I'm joined uh, by my first co-host. And speaking of undervalued, may have had the most undervalued high school highlight tape in 2006 as a triple option quarterback in Brandon Pastel
1: could you imagine if I had huddle like back in 2006 and I was able to drop those highlights, my whole entire (laughs) career would have been different. I mean, back in 2006, so I probably would have got recruited by, I'd imagine USC or some likes of someone like that. And my whole entire career would have been different if I had, you know, the outlets like huddle to really display what I was able to do in high school. Well, that
0: is very generous of yourself to, to go ahead and, and leave that out there. Uh, I will say it was extremely hilarious. What I was trying to get across is that it was an extremely sarcastic comment, and anybody who watches the highlight film would know what I was talking about. <laughs> I don't know what the song was, but the song that was playing while Brandon was uh, – obviously it was his highlight while Brandon was, was on there the was the unbelievable. And as a triple-option quarterback, there was actually a highlight on there of him reading the defensive end and giving the ball to our four-star <laughs> running back who ended up going to U- the University of Virginia so you got to love, love a quarterback that.
1: that can make a good read <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, also joined by my second uh, co-host, always on the show, whose high school baseball career was also undervalued, and the biggest undervalue is when he was the first base coach during our sophomore year JV when we ended up winning the championship because he was injured, and we only had one coach on the team, and that's Kenny Keller.
2: Hey, look, when you're a team player, you're a team player. I got hurt. I, I busted up my knee, had surgery, was out for the year, and said, hey, you know what? How can I still help the team, and I can coach first base? Which also, the highlight being <laughs> the slowest guy on our team hit the ball in the left field, and I, I waved him in the second to leg out a double, and he got thrown out by about six feet.
1: How do you wave yourself in, Kenny? <laughs>
2: Yeah, nice. very funny. I'm nice. sorry. wait. Okay, you know, I was gonna hold off on this, but now since you brought that up, <laughs> I was gonna not be mean, but since you are, I was gonna say, you know, Brandon's high school t- film it was incomplete his senior year because didn't he get benched for the backup quarterback at one Ooh, point? Okay, Man. that's not true. That was oh, brilliant. that was during <laughs> hey, one game. Sh- shout out, shout out to my neighborhood buddy. I'm pretty Bun-Bom. sure I had a four game winning streak at the end of that year. I'm just saying, I was gonna leave that out until I mean, you decided it's, not, it's to be false.
1: Mean. It's not true facts.
2: It Shit. is facts. I got, Shots I got pulled here. in like the fourth
1: quarter. Yeah, we were down like fifty points. But shout I mean, out, I- shout
2: shout out to Bryn Barum, my 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 neighborhood, uh, <laughs> my neighborhood boy. Well, you also got. Did you get pulled from the Powhatan game?
1: That's what I you mean. You got that. pulled from that. Oh, that's what. You're, oh, yeah, you're I Cortland, yeah. I guess Cortland too. I guess he got pulled twice.
2: Yeah, I say. I say. I remember. Be, I remember working at Mama's Pizza and and listening to the Cortland game on the radio, and they're like, and they've pulled Brandon Pastel for Bren Barham. I was like, oh. to be fair, I had
1: a hundred yards passing and rushing at that point, and he got pulled. Crap. Mm. For mm-hmm. all you
0: stat nerds out there, I would look up the VHSL uh, record books. Brandon Pastel may be in there, and if you tweet <laughs> us or hit us up on Instagram and Facebook and you lay a line on what you think that is, we will hook you up with a prize. Absolutely. If you know the actual stat that Brandon Pastel may be in as a quarterback in the VHSL, so the Virginia High School League, stat book. it be very interesting to see the <laughs> responses we get back to that. We'll break it next show. You know, we'll make a thing of it. It'll be great. <laughs> It'll be great. We'll announce a winner online at, or uh, a winner on the pod, and, the, and everybody will know, you know what Brandon's possibly in the records book. The Lord I, says
1: I, to be giving.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> There's a hint. That's a hint for all you folks.
0: That's right. All right. Anyways, so we'll, we'll kind of get in tonight. we got a great show for you. Uh, a lot of uh, work has been put in uh, by all three of us in order to get this one going. So uh, if you haven't listened to our overhyped recruits of the modern era, this is really the other side of it. So we're going to cover the most undervalued recruits of the modern era and and kenny and pasto really have a great list for us again like i said they've done a lot of a lot of research into this a lot of looking at at recruiting classes three star two stars and what guys really at the collegiate level and possibly at the nfl level that came in and dominated so i'll first kick it off and, and, and i'll start with with you kenny on your criteria i'll kick it over to you after that pasto to give your criteria then we'll get into the
2: list yeah, so my criteria was I was looking at players who were extremely undervalued at their recruiting you know, when they were being recruited. And it, it obviously a lot of it had to do with stars, but it wasn't even necessarily stars. It was who offered them what and what they ended up becoming. So I looked at, you know, did they get offers from P5s, G5s? Did they get offers at all? Did they have to walk on? What was their star ranking, et cetera? So all that kind of went into it. And then I looked at their whole body of college work. Up until the point to where they got drafted, I really didn't put a lot of emphasis on how they did in the NFL. For me, it was just strictly I looked at their college tape, I looked at their college statistics, I looked at what the teams did while they were there, and and put that all kind of combine that all together to come up with my list.
1: Yeah, as far as for mine, it's pretty much the same thing as Kenny. I mean, guys that were under recruited and they outperformed pretty much all expectation. Uh, however, my my kind of bleeds a little bit more into the NFL, so more. College and NFL. So I'm not going to have guys on there that didn't do absolutely nothing in the college arena, but they were awesome in the NFL. It's definitely more of a holistic prospect instead of just isolating it to the college game. But really guys that just outlived their, their recruitment. And for me specifically, like I didn't just have two-star guys that ended up being Hall of Famers. There's a couple guys on here that were three like highly recruited three-star athletes but they were just so dominant that they still outperformed what their expectations were.
0: Yeah, one star, two star, three star, no star. Um, you know, I like the way you guys approached it was, you know, what was their impact at the college level, right? And and how do you grade that out with what they were ranked in high school? Because, you know, and, and we do, we do our recruiting show that, that we release every Friday morning, so make sure you guys listen to that too. Um, it's great knowledge, We you know, we really keep up with this stuff, you know, but. At, and Brandon, you said it on another show that we did. But what recruiting and what these stars don't take into account is what they are after they get coached, right? Because a lot of these guys, they they were the best not only in their league but possibly in their states, mm-hmm. and just off of pure talent, right? I mean, they're just they're just heads and a you know head above everybody else. But really, a lot of these two stars, no stars, three stars that we're going to talk about today, we're really kind of Transform themselves at the college level when they got really great coaching, right, mm-hmm. and and were able to thrive inside a certain system. So, without further ado, we'll go ahead and and start it, Kenny. I'll kick it off to you. This guy uh, he was first on your list, uh, a quarterback, and ended up being a number one draft pick in the NFL.
2: Yeah, for me it's Baker Mayfield and I actually remember watching him start his first game at Texas Tech and the only reason I remember it, I remember it being kind of a later a late night game and I'm watching it and they they're like and they're talking about this kid, they're like he's a walk on quarterback, true freshman. He's the first walk on quarterback true freshman to ever start an opener. And I'm like, "Dude, that's pretty cool." Like that's impressive, and he went out and he had a good game. He put up good numbers. He was in that Texas Tech offense, so you know he put up decent stats. And it was just cool. I remember seeing it, and I didn't really think anything more of it because, like, I watched it. I watched, and they won the game, and it was it was a neat game. But then he kind of had an up and down freshman year. And then I remember reading a story the next year that I because I looked at him, I was like, okay, I wonder how he's going to do the next year. And I'm like, oh, well, he's not there. Where did he go? I read a story. He literally transferred schools so well let me start with this he was a three-star rec- three-star recruit his only offers were from fau new mexico and rice so he had no p5 offers he was a g5 offer only he walks on at texas tech transfers after his freshman year and just literally shows up to the to, transfers as a student, not even as an athlete, transfers as a student to Oklahoma, shows up at practice and tells Bob Stoops, he's like, Hey, I want to walk on to the team. Bob Stoops had no idea he was even there. He was like, What? He's like, Are you even a student here? Like, what's going on? So he shows up to practice, walks on at OU. All he does is sit out the year he transferred and then go on to have one of the best three year runs ever in college football. He went 34 and six as a starter. He finished his seventh all time in career passing tied for fourth in career passing touchdowns, wins a Heisman, and becomes the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. This guy literally is the epitome of a chip on my shoulder, and I'm going to prove you wrong. He goes from having no P5 offers to starting as a true freshman walk-on at a P5 at Texas Tech, then transferring to a playoff-caliber P5 team. And walking on there, he was literally – he he didn't get a scholarship until his senior year. He had two years he without scholarship at Oklahoma and just absolutely dominated the competition there and goes on to become the number one overall pick. Absolutely incredible story.
0: Yeah, he's certainly one of my favorite players to watch, and not not only in the NFL today, but even at Oklahoma. I, I loved everything about the guy. His moxie, he's a winner. His teammates love him. And he's just a guy that's out there that's just, there's something about him and there's something that, mag. you know, he's almost like a magnet out there with his teammates and he just bleeds winning, right? And mm-hmm. that's a lot of the reason why he got picked number one overall uh, to the Cleveland Browns and, you know, kind of had a down second year. To, so I'm really looking forward to see what he can do here in the 2020 season <laughs> to kind of rebound it, have like he did, you know, his rookie year because he had, I mean, for the games he played, he played outstanding. So the, not the going mo- very, not. Would you say I was going to say, that? the most
1: disappointing thing Baker Mayfield ever did was not sticking the OU flag into Ohio State. Like, actually sticking it into the ground. And the flag, remember how it just, kind of just laid over? Like, it was a bad. It
2: was, it's turf, I think. That's why.
1: Yeah, but man, if he would have stuck, that would have been the most legendary thing ever. It was still legendary, don't get me wrong, but the fact that it didn't actually stick was kind of disappointing. Yeah.
0: Well, sticking with qu- the quarterback position, and more specifically in our home state, fellas of Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, got a two-star quarterback who now is also a perennial Pro Bowl quarterback in Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, Russell Wilson was the guy that I remember playing literally baseball at first when I was 11, 12 years old, AAU baseball. And I remember there was a lot of hype going into this kid coming in. I was like, I've heard of hype before. But when I saw this guy play baseball, he got a a single, I think, to right field, got on first base, stole second, stole third, and then stole home plate. I was like, okay, so we're we're talking about a different athlete here right now. And that was, for me, kind of how the legend of Russell Wilson began was in AAU baseball at 11 Mm -hmm. and 12. I was like, this guy was just so much faster, so much better than every other player. And again, that's baseball. So as a football player... He, I mean, he was phenomenal in Virginia. And that's kind of one thing I don't get is why he was only a two-star recruit. I mean, I get he was only 5'11". But, I mean, he threw for over 3,000 yards. He threw for 34 four touchdowns and only mm-hmm. seven picks. And kind of the consistent theme with his whole career is how efficient he is as a quarterback. And not, to mind you, he was an all-conference and all-state football player of the year in Virginia. So he wasn't no chump in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he still mm-hmm. was just a two-star player. But the thing with him is he played baseball and football. He, he signed with NC State. And he was... Uh, all first first team all ACC his shirt freshman year and kind of years after that would either be second team or you know I don't think he ever got first team again at ACC but mm-hmm. he was still a very efficient quarterback and he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks throughout his time at NC State and then he got drafted by the Colorado Rockies going into his junior or senior year and Tom O'Brien was like hey man either you play football for us or you got to go somewhere else and he's like well I would like to go to like you know spring training kind of try this baseball thing out as well. And Tom O'Brien was like, no, nah, you either dedicate yourself to NC State football or pretty much go play somewhere else. Yeah. They also had to remember Mike Glennon, who was a pretty highly talented quarterback prospect, coming in that year as well. So yeah. I think Out they of Westfield, thought, yep. Yeah, they thought they could lose Russell Wilson. They thought they had the better quarterback, Austin the, in the in the wing. So Russell Wilson was like, all right, screw it, I'm going to go to Wisconsin. And it ends up, I think, tying or breaking uh, Drew Brees' passer efficiency record in the Big Ten while he was at Wisconsin and led him to the Rose Bowl and ended up losing, I think, the game versus Oregon by a touchdown or, t- or so. Um, but, again, which is one of the most efficient quarterbacks and best quarterbacks we've seen at the college game. And he still gets drafted in the third round in the NFL. It's like, dude, what else does he have to prove outside of his height that he's a very, very good quarterback? He wasn't a scrambling quarterback, and I think a lot of people thought he was, but he was just such an efficient passer. And mm-hmm. all he does is show that in the NFL, and which is why he was a Super Bowl champion, one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. All he's done since he was a young kid was to prove that he was he was just better than everybody else, mm-hmm. and he's done nothing outside of that yet. No one wants to give him the love. But like, there's something about him that people just don't want to fully hand over to him. And say, hey, like you are that good of a quarterback.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Russell Russell was definitely an enigma because you saw kind of you saw kind of spurts of greatness at his years at NC State, and you know maybe that could be lack of talent around him. Who knows. But you look at the you know you look at the completion percentage fifty four percent fifty nine percent fifty eight percent in his three years as a starter at NC State and he kind of leaves the accuracy leaves a little bit to be desired and then he goes to Wisconsin because I remember when him transferred to Wisconsin because he was kind of the first big name guy to grad transfer and I think that's ultimately what he's going to be known for most in college football is being that guy who started the grad transfer trend. I mean, he was really the guy who kind of kicked the door down. And I remember being like, I remember him going to Wisconsin. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, it's probably the best quarterback Wisconsin's had in a long time. But I wasn't necessarily like, oh, he's going to be amazing. And then he just absolutely flipped a switch. I mean, you talked about a guy with a a career completion percentage uh, highest ever was fifty nine percent. He goes seventy two percent his senior year. And then he goes, I mean, it's just. And then he goes efficiency rating one ninety one. I mean, it was just a complete. It was a, it, it finally all connected for him, and it was awesome to see. I think he definitely definitely is one of the most under recruited guys, and I wish we could have seen more of what he did at Wisconsin versus what he did at NC State. Well,
1: remember career. NC State too. Remember for a while there, I think he was on pace to break the NCAA record or broke it for a longest streak without an interception. And I think that might have been. His, I mean, yeah, he was seventeen it had to touchdowns, be, with one interception. I'd say his it had to be his year. freshman year, yeah. Uh, and that kind of set the stage. And so, to your point, Ken, yeah, it wasn't all consistently throughout his NC State career, but he came in. It came in pockets. Yeah. And you yeah. saw the flash those greatness that greatness and then it really came all together in Wisconsin. So
2: It's interesting. Yeah. I just I wish we could have saw yeah, I wish we could have saw it for all four years. That would have been awesome. But his Wisconsin season was one of the best seasons I can ever remember as a quarterback.
0: Yeah, he was outstanding in Wisconsin. I think one of the things that may have hurt him at least coming out, and the reason it was two-star. I mean, he went to Collegiate here in Richmond, and, and that's where I'm at for anybody who's listening. And, you know, Collegiate's a private school. The private school league in, in Richmond is not like it is in, like, the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the public school ball around here, in my opinion, is, is significantly better. So it just may may have been a lack of competition here in the area, which is why he wasn't highly sought out. Uh, coming out of high school Uh, but he was certainly dynamic enough to where everybody around the state knew who he was Mm -hmm. now sticking with offense I want to introduce this next guy and Kenny this is one of your guys this guy actually ended up breaking the all-time NCAA receptions record as a no-star recruit why don't you introduce us to this guy
2: Yeah, so this guy is Justin Hardy, wide receiver out of East Carolina. And he played quarterback. So he played wide receiver most of his career in high school. And then his senior year, his team asked him to play quarterback – being a team player, he didn't. He actually balled out as a quarterback his senior season in high school. But the problem was, he wasn't going to get rec- recruited to play quarterback at the next level, so he had no offers. He walks on the ECU, red shirts his freshman year, and all he does is go on to break the NCAA receptions record with 387 receptions. Now, he currently sits number two. His teammate, Zay Jones, actually broke his record the next year. But, I mean, from day one, he just walked onto the team and dominated. He finished in the top ten uh, – or, sorry, top five of re- receiving yards for his career. And he just he, – and this is a guy who wasn't – his size wasn't overly powerful. He was 5'10", 190 pounds. He wasn't the fastest guy. He ran a four five six forty. He's just absolutely productive when he's out on the field he hits another level and turns it on and, and he, you know, he won the burlesworth trophy which is the award given to the best walk-on in the in the league that year he won that uh he was a first team all acc or sorry all aac he was first team conference usa so he won he won two different all acc or all conference awards in two different conferences when ecu switched Uh, So just just an absolutely phenomenal athlete and someone who just goes to show you that no matter what position you play in high school, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like this guy was probably a really, really good receiver – was a team player. Decided to help out at quarterback when he needed to. Did awesome at quarterback. But unfortunately, it hurt him in the recruiting process, and he went completely under the radar. Wasn't recruited or offered by anybody. And then just all he does is casually walk onto a Division one program and dominate and become one of the best receivers statistically of all time. Just really cool, in my opinion.
0: I think it's cool that we have a player from a school like ECU, right? And we talk about you know everybody on this list are really P five guys and and guys that dominated. Uh, at a high level, but it's really good to have a G5 guy here, and I, I think it's an interesting story. Again, the fact that he was no stars and ended up, you know, you want to talk about value. I mean, he ended up breaking the all-time NCAA receptions record. To your point, so uh, I'm I'm glad that we included that on our list. Now, uh, next guy on our list, another quarterback, another Heisman Trophy winner, uh, came out as a three-star recruit out of uh, Boynton Beach, Boy- I'm sorry, Boynton Beach High School in
1: Florida. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, I think, if you go look at his 247 composite rankings, which is what we use here mostly, uh, and a little bit of rivals, kind of use as a stat line and baseline for our our rankings. Well, so yeah, he wasn't even a top 400 player. But someone's going to be like, yeah, but he was still a pretty highly recruited player. But a lot of guys didn't want him for quarterback. So a lot of guys wanted to utilize him as an athlete, running back, receiver, maybe at quarterback here and there. But the reason why he went to Louisville was because Bobby Petrino – uh, told his mom that hey like we're gonna use him at quarterback and nothing else and that's what sold him. He's like okay mm-hmm. that's what I want to go to Louisville. Which kind of and you're gonna see the similar comparison to Michael Vick throughout his career and that's kind of what they did to Michael Vick as well. Remember like a lot of people wanted Michael Vick at running back and he chose Virginia Tech so he can play quarterback and that's kind of the comparison that easy comparison with Lamar Jackson. But again not not a very highly touted recruit kind of just middle of the line and he goes to Louisville and just sets the whole entire college atmosphere on fire. If it wasn't for Michael Vick, we would have never, ever seen an athlete like this in, a, in our time. I mean, this guy put up stats. His, 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 was it? In 2016, he ran for over 1,500 yards and passed for over 3,500. It was mm-hmm. absurd. And it's not like Louisville had all the talent. He made other players look better than what they were, I think. But remember, I think in yeah, 2016, when he won his Heisman campaign, he beat number two Florida State. He almost single-handedly beat uh, a top five oh. program in Clemson. I think he had over like five hundred total yards of that game. He single handedly just said, "Give me the ball, coach, and I'm going to do whatever I can to will my team to win." And he did that for Louisville. He got them to I uh, to uh, number three, I think, in the AP rankings that year. Uh, before eventually they lost to Clemson and they kind of like you know derailed their season a little bit. But he was that that college athlete that just completely took over on the college atmosphere. Now again, from what I, my criteria is, is what they've done in the NFL as well. And obviously Lamar Jackson has just kind of blown up the NFL as well. And then. It was funny because we had a, a poll the other day on Instagram that was kind of like talking about the top first or top prospects going into the NFL draft, and we were talking about Peyton Manning. we were talking about Carson Palmer, a couple other players, and everyone was like, what about Lamar Jackson? I was like, well, you know, a lot of people didn't view Lamar Jackson as that type of player coming into the NFL, and it kind of stunned me for a second. I was like, but why not? Like, this dude set the world on fire mm-hmm. in college football, and I think it was really just that persona that he just couldn't do in the NFL because no one else with that athletic ability really did. the." the The last person that did it was RG3 and he broke his leg.
2: Uh,
1: But if it wasn't for that, I mean, he probably would have been a top 10 pick. And he's shown nothing else than what he did at Louisville he's done in the NFL. I mean, he's done the same exact thing in the NFL. Well,
2: and it's funny because in that, you talk about that Clemson-Louisville game, that was two quarterbacks who got probably severely underdrafted, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. So it's just it's very interesting. Um, it's good to see those guys succeed in the NFL, though, because it's going to change the paradigm of, of how GMs draft and how they view these, you know, run first quarterbacks. Not even run first quarterbacks, but guys who are super mobile, you know, and, and hopefully you know, move the stigma away of that they're going to get hurt. So
1: go ahead. Remember who he beat in the school, like 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 you just said, Kenny. For the Heisman Trophy, he beat Deshaun Jackson. He beat Baker Mayfield, mind you, who we just talked about. Remember, Jabril Peppers was talked about as like probably the next defensive yeah. great that possibly had a chance to win the Heisman. He beat all those
2: guys. Yeah, Lamar Jackson had an opportunity to win two Heisman's and honestly probably should have been the Heisman Trophy winner in 2017. Like he did, he his the numbers he put up that year were so ridiculous. Even as they went eight and five, that that they that he should have been the Heisman Trophy winner again. I mean, it's just incredible what he was able to do. I think one thing too that you talked about, Brandon, you were like, "Well, it's not that Louisville had that much talent around him." You're 100 percent right. Look the look what Louisville did the very next year after he left. I pretty I believe that was the year they went two and ten, and Bobby Petrino got fired or resigned. Like, yep. yeah, he got fired halfway through the season, and and so to show you to show you what kind of impact he made for that team is just absolutely incredible.
1: What's up Prospect 101 fans looking to win money but think there's nothing to bet on? Well, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean the guy was an unbelievable talent, Louisville and what he's doing in the NFL is really transcending the position a lot like Vic did, you know, in the in early two thousands, and I think you're gonna continue to see kind of that sustained success for him just because he is so dynamic. Now, I do wanna change this up a little bit because we've talked about four straight offensive guys. So let's talk about one of the best Pass rushers in the NFL currently who came out as a two-star recruit, and that's Khalil Mack.
2: He, Gless, this is my guy. This is my number one. I, I like Baker a ton, and I like what Baker's. But in my opinion, I think Khalil Mack might be the most under-recruited guy in this in, in our list. He was a two-star recruit, which he wasn't even a two-star recruit. Pastel and I were kind of chatting about this offline. You get. Two stars added on to your recruiting profile when you get an offer. His only offer was from the University of Buffalo. That's it. Uh, a, low, a, a lowly max school. You're talking about the University of Buffalo who forever was horrible. And all he did from the time he stepped on the field was be a tackle for loss and sack machine. Guys, he had – listen to his tackle for losses each year starting his redshirt freshman year. 14 and a half, 20 and a half. 21 18 and a half for a career total of 74 and a half tackles for losses in 4 years. Like an absolute disruptor, had 28 and a half sacks over his career In his senior season almost Heisman worthy invitation, you know, that almost Heisman invitation worthy. 18 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, 3 picks, two defensive touchdowns, seven pass defense pass defended. Three fumble recoveries, five forced fumbles. The guy was an absolute machine. And I still, to this day, have such an issue with C.J. Mosley somehow winning the the Dick Buckus Award for best linebacker in the league that year all because he played for the University of Alabama. He had nine tackles for losses his senior season. That's it. No sacks, no interceptions, and one forced fumble. And somehow he they gave him that award over... Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was a monster. was was one of the biggest monsters nobody's ever heard of because he played for Buffalo and and really transcended that program into a decent program. And, and now that you know, now you see, now you think of Buffalo, you're thinking, okay, they've had a couple of good years with Turner Gill. Got Turner, and that was because of Khalil Mack. And now they have Lance Leopold there, who's done a really good job. But prior to that, Buffalo was garbage. They were one of the most hot trash teams in the entire league, and this guy just comes in and absolutely dominates, becomes a top-five pick, and and the only reason he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year in college was because you had a guy named Aaron Donald who won it his senior year, which if you go back and look at his numbers that year, you can see why. I mean, it was really between him and Khalil Mack, in my opinion, and, and either one was worthy, but Aaron Donald's fine. But, yeah, for Khalil Mack to only have one offer from Buffalo and for him to put up those kind of numbers all four years – I, I don't know if we'll see. I don't know if we if we'll see that again from a defensive recruit out of all four years who's so under recruited. Yeah, I, I don't
0: remember him a whole, a whole lot of Buffalo because I, I I don't I don't remember really watching a whole lot of Buffalo games. You know him playing in the uh, Buffalo's in the MAC, right? Yes, in the MAC. Yep, MAC yeah. baby. Yeah, Maxion. That's right. Uh, but I do remember when he when the NFL draft was coming out, and you know his highlights were on there, and I just remember sitting back like, "Oh my gosh, like this guy is unbelievable!" And yeah. the fact that he was taken so high, going up against competition that the University of Buffalo faces, I think just tells you what an absolute freak that this guy is, and and a, a complete can't miss. Yeah. So uh, I'm absolutely love that he's on the list.
1: I know uh, he kind of reminded me coming out of college. Of a James Harrison, remember the uh, one of the all time sack leader for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And, th- and James Harrison came from Kent State, so another smaller school. And very similar players, very similar body styles, and very very similar the way they play the game of football. Like they they just all over. They're just a disruptor is probably the best way to describe them as the, as they play. Like they don't always blitz, they don't always sit back in covers, they don't always do X, Y, and Z. They just are just always disrupting every player possible. And James Harrison did that for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're seeing Khalil Mack do that now. For the Bears, and he did it for the Raiders while he played for them.
2: I wish, I wish I was, I wish it, I was into Buffalo enough to say that I had kind of saw like him play as, as a younger, as a, you know, junior, sophomore, as a freshman, and kind of got on his board. When he got on my radar was that Ohio State game. Buffalo opened up at Ohio State, and absolutely, like they, they hung in there in the first half. The score at halftime, I believe, was like thirty to thirteen. And I know that doesn't sound like it's very close, but you got to remember. A it was Buffalo versus number two Ohio State, and it was only 30 to 13 at half. But Khalil Mack had two and a half sacks, a pick a pick six, and two tackle two and a half tackles for loss. And like half of that came in half of that stuff came in the first I remember watching that game and just being amazed by like who is this kid who's absolutely dominating the number two team in the country all by himself as a defensive as a defensive end slash linebacker, as an edge rusher. And and it just that was I To this day, one of the most incredible, incredible players I've ever seen at the college level. And it blows my mind that that he was only recruited to Buffalo.
0: Yeah, well, you're seeing it in the NFL right now. I mean, he's one of the perennial sack masters, I guess you could say. When you talk about guys who can rust the quarterback and and can't be blocked on the edge. I mean, Khalil Mack is right up there. He's definitely a a top five pass rusher in the league. Now, let's stick with defense, Kenny. I'm going to come right back to you. Your boy, Aaron Curry out of Wake Forest. So, you know, I had to throw a little Homerism in this. and We always do, by the way. Like, if anybody <laughs> listens to our pods, they know that you either get a Virginia Tech guy, a Wake guy, or a Washington guy at least once a show. And that's okay. This is a podcast. We can do what we want. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, anybody it's who all- hates
2: against us, whatever. <laughs> it's our show. These are our picks. But no, right. I I mean I I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say he doesn't belong in this conversation. Are there are there other defensive players you could make arguments that were just as good or better or maybe undervalued? Sure, I'm sure there is. But Aaron Curry, guys, is a player again. We talk about, you know, he was a two-star recruit, but honestly, he wasn't even really a two-star recruit. He only had offers from Wake Forest and ECU and he chose Wake Forest because he his quote he wanted to make all the ACC North Carolina schools pay for skipping over him in the recruitment process. But he ended up being a freshman All-American. Uh, he was two-time All-ACC, one-time All-American, a Buckus Award winner. He was a catalyst in 2006 for Wake Forest winning the ACC championship that year. Uh, he was one of the leaders as a, as a sophomore. Um, Is you know, his his sacks weren't flashy. He wasn't really an edge rusher. Yeah, he had a handful of sacks, but he was just more of a playmaker. He was a guy who could play in space. He was extremely athletic. He had lots of tackles for losses. His junior and senior year he had 13 and a half and 16 tackles for losses. He had four interceptions. And three returned for a touchdown his junior year. Like he just was always around the ball. Every time Wake needed a big play on defense, it was either him or Alfonso Smith making the play. Like it was really incredible to watch him grow as this guy who and, and you gotta remember as a Wake Force fan First round picks are come around very few and far between. You're talking about guys like Calvin Pace, uh, Kevin Johnson, you know, very, very few and far between. So when someone comes in as dominant as Aaron Curry was for Wake Forest, it really caught me, caught my eye and made me pay attention. And he got drafted number four overall because of it. Now, unfortunately, he just didn't pan out in the NFL Um, He was drafted by the Seahawks and just never really got his career off the ground, unfortunately. But in college, he was an absolute game changer for us on defense and really led Wake Forest up until now to the best, you know, four years they've ever had. And he was the main reason why.
0: Yeah, he was outstanding at Wake. And there's no doubt about it. It's why he got taken so high in the NFL draft first round. You don't see a lot of linebackers get picked in the first round just in general. Um, So the fact that he was taken just tells you how great he was at Wake and and how much of a physical freak he was. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that, you know, and, and Kenny, you said this in a lot of your, I'm sorry, just kind of leading into this list was these are guys that really went above and beyond in college that didn't. You didn't take NFL success into this list, even though like, some of these guys like Khalil Mack and, and Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield to an extent have been Correct. successful. Aaron Curry was, was now, but there's, there's a lot that goes into that, right? I think especially when it comes to the linebacker position, it's not necessarily that he may have not been up to the task, but could have been injuries um, that were, were never whatever were kind of disclosed. It could have been scheme, mm-hmm. could have been a lot of things, uh, but what you can't take away is how dominant he was at Wake. And then, you know, Pastel, we'll kind of round out your list before we get into our honorable mentions, and there's a lot of big names in there. So, But I definitely – this guy stands out to me because he's so dominant at the NFL level now, and he was also a, no, a zero-star recruit from the state of Minnesota.
1: Yeah, so that's Adam Thielen. He was a no-star from Minnesota, and now he's a two-time Pro Bowl NFL player for the Minnesota Vikings who, uh, yeah, it was eight games last year, set the NFL record – for most games with 100 yards receiving, and he did it eight times last year straight. So this guy's been an absolute beast uh, in the in the NFL, and you kind of dated back to his high school careers. This guy was an All-State selection, All-Conference selection in high school. He, he came out of the state of Minnesota, played for Detroit Lakes High School. Uh, he also played football. Or sorry, he also played basketball. He also played baseball. He also played golf. When he was on the golf team, uh, he led them to a a. a a 2A state championship. So this guy's like kind of an all-around athlete, kind of funny. And then he just kind of never got that love on the recruiting trail. Maybe it was because he played four different sports and never really honed his skills maybe uh, with just football. But when he played for Minnesota State, uh, the Mavericks, I mean, he just continually progressed every single year. So you saw him go from, like, 21 receptions to 41 to 62 to 74. You kind of just saw, like, the trend building with this, with this guy, Adam, and he kind of just got better and better, not only on the receiving end, but he did it on the kick return and the punt return. So they utilized him in so many different ways. He's like on that Swiss Army knife. I mean, so that was just at Minnesota State. He did, he obviously played very well in college, but that's a very small school. And then you kind of just saw him go undrafted in the NFL. But as soon as he got an opportunity, because remember, he got waived by the Minnesota Vikings initially, and then he got picked back up, and then he's just blown up in the NFL. So he, he's kind of one of those guys that I wanted to highlight because he came from a smaller school, and has just made a complete name out of himself in the NFL. And kind of to your point, Kenny, what you were saying earlier, like, yeah, you can go into the NFL draft. Go any year in the NFL draft and then look at where those players were when they recruits. You're going to find probably 50, 60 two-star players or no-star mm-hmm. players. Like, mm-hmm. they're everywhere. So we're kind of just highlighting a few of them that that we thought kind of made that extra leap and really were kind of players you either thought weren't going to do as much as they did, but we're really just highlighting a few. There's, there's a 1,000 out there.
2: Yeah, Thielen's very interesting because I know he was more recruited as a basketball player. I know a lot; he got more love on the recruit on the recruiting side for basketball than he did for any other sport. Which is, I mean, it just shows to what kind of how incredible of an athlete he is, and really how incredible an athlete most of these pro guys are. But yeah, I mean, you, you talked about the positive progression through college. You know, every year he got better and better and better and better, and then just to go through these. I think what what was really cool about his story is he got invited to like a regional combine. Like he didn't even, like he he, right. he had no. to work out through these regional combines, and then did so well his rookie season at training camp that the Vikings cut a player they were paying a decent amount of money. They cut him and ate the cost because they they were like if we let Adam Thielen go, he's going to get scooped up by somebody else. So it's pretty cool. I have a
1: question. At what high school are you able to play football, basketball, baseball, and golf at the same time? <laughs> like, I mean, aren't these sports kind of overlapping each other,
2: dude? I think if you're that, I think if you're that good of an athlete, <laughs> like coaches are just like whatever, just just show up for the games, please. Like, I get football in the fall, basketball in the winter, in the baseball,
1: winter, but then when's golf? Golf's it's not in the summertime, so it's on one of those you, sides.
0: You know what, the golf coach in Minnesota. Was probably I'm sorry, yeah, in Minnesota was probably so excited to have anybody come out to the golf team. He didn't care if they played. L- yeah, because it's forty. That's degree, my it's guess. For,
2: it's forty degrees in like June in Minnesota. That's right. <laughs>
0: uh So, so those are your lists Now I, I want to go through this next segment, really Real Hill. We do have some honorable mentions. I'll start with me because I didn't come up with a quote unquote list, but. You know, here are four guys that stand out to me, and then Kenny, I'll kick it over to you. Cool. Uh, Alex Smith, uh, quarterback. You know, obviously he was the number one overall draft pick out of Utah. Uh, he was a two-star recruit who or, who was on the same high school team as Reggie Bush. So think about that. Halifax. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, another two-star recruit. One of the perennial, uh, one of the best running backs in in the NFL now is a two-star recruit. Tyson Jackson, who was the overall number three pick defensive lineman out of LSU was also a two-star recruit and then a guy that I can't believe was only a three-star recruit because of how good he is um, Trent Williams he's a perennial pro bowler for now the San Francisco 49ers but when he was with the Redskins he was one of the best left tackles in the league Mm -hmm. again a three uh, a three-star go to Oklahoma uh, but he certainly wasn't a four or five star so that's kind of who I had on my honorable mention list.
1: Did y'all see that documentary with Alex Smith on ESPN? I did. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy, right? <laughs> Dude, his leg was jacked
2: oh, up. That was gross. I can't
1: believe he's trying to make a comeback. And by all all accounts, it sounds like he's coming back. I don't know how, though. Yeah, I don't know. Was yeah.
0: I, the other thing is, you know, I listened to a lot of DC sports radio, and there was some stuff coming out. I don't know how his wife is even going to entertain the thought of him going onto a field. I mean, he almost died. Yeah. Yeah i mean I don't know the other thing about it I mean yeah he can come back but he'll be a i mean he'll never start again yeah,
2: yeah well I, I i think it's a cool i think it's a cool goal and I think it's something he'll probably reach but I don't know if he'll ever i mean i don't think he'll make a full uh, uh, an active yeah. nFL roster all, mean, he I, you, you, all he has just, to
1: do is stroke on the field one time
2: exactly i think he'll i think he'll be something like he kind of makes his i think he could st- what he's doing right now is incredible but there's I, there's no way he could compete at a higher level. Right. You could just tell by the film, even when he was like running around and he looked normal, you could tell it still wasn't normal. All
0: 5,000 people at FedEx Field will go crazy when he <laughs> goes on the field.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, who would you have on your honorable mention list? So the two that caught my eye uh, that I really wanted to go in on, but I just couldn't put in over the over the other four, were, uh, it was J.J. Watt, who was a two-star Who got a two star? It was his only. He only got recruited to Central Michigan as a tight end. Decided that he wasn't going to get the opportunity after playing one year at Central Michigan. That he didn't think he wanted to play tight end. He wanted to move over to another position. So he transferred schools, walked on at Wisconsin. Said, "Hey, I want to try out for defensive end." Oh no, big deal. All he did was become first team All Big Ten, All American, a first round pick by the Texans, multi time Defensive Player of the Year. He's led the NFL in sacks a bunch of times. Like just become one of the most feared pass rushers in all of football. I mean, he was just absolutely dominant at Wisconsin. So that was, and it all started out as a two star tight end recruit for Central Michigan, crazy. And then Santana Moss, and what really that's got a me. Good about, one, I think yeah, that's a good one. What really got me about him is he walked on at the U in the middle of their like second dynasty, that dynasty run from like late nineties to about mid two thousands, early to mid two thousands. He walked onto one of those teams, you know, those teams that had Jeremy Shockey, Andre Johnson, Clinton Portis, Ken Dorsey, Reggie Wayne. I mean, you name it, he these stars on these teams. And he just goes, oh, I'm going to walk on earned a scholarship after only three games becomes the focal point of their offense at the height of their dominance. And then becomes a first round pick and has like a, 12-year NFL career, you know, right here in, in our backyard in DC. So between the Jets and DC, and just an, an incredible story. You know, to walk on on a team that, that that's that talented, it, to not only just walk on is incredible, but to to be the guy, to be the receiver, to be the playmaker is just it's insane.
1: The one thing I like about JJ Watt is his little brother JJ Watt. Like you TJ, you, T-J. sorry T.J. TJ Watt. Yeah, you thought you were to learn from history. <laughs> And he'd be like, all right, maybe these guys just develop a little bit later. So he goes to Wisconsin. Does pretty well at Wisconsin, but really comes on late. And then he gets picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of in the later of the first round pick. But everyone just kind of like kind of like slept on him. And they slept on him in the recruiting process. He was only a three-star recruit, too. And now he's become a perennial all-pro all- player as well. And it's just like, I don't know what is in the Watts blood. But they just kind of develop a little bit slower than everybody else. But they just keep developing into a all-time great. <laughs> it's great genes. Yeah. I, I think he got married. So his, I think he just, or JJ
0: Watt just got married. So that, that they just breed football players apparently. So we'll see. But Paso, who'd you have on your list and your honorable mention?
1: So you're going to laugh at this one. How about Joe Burrow? And yeah, he's a four star player. But the thing is, there was two hundred players that scouts yeah. thought that, that they were, this is iffy. Yeah, oh, it's this iffy is very one. borderline. It's a, it's a borderline. Okay, one. okay, I can do some lazy research too and find out who's a zero star, two star player, and find out who actually did well in college football. But Joe Burrow, in all sense, yeah, he's a four star player. But there were still two hundred and like thirty players that scouts thought were better. Like they they thought they were better, and then Ohio State thought there was two or three players better than Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow turned out to be to have. I mean, I don't even know if it's arguably anymore. He had the best quarterback season in all time in college football history. He was the best quarterback in all time college football history for at least one season. And you're telling me that the scouts four years prior to that couldn't anticipate even half of that? Like, to be that dominant on the college landscape, but not to be in the top 200 of the recruiting class, not to be a five-star player, or even a highly touted four-star player? Kind of just, that's why I say honorable mention. Obviously, he's not a big-time player, but another guy I have is Carson Wentz. Obviously, he went to North Dakota State no star uh, player but he's turned out to be a top three pick in the NFL draft and the rest is history for him. Delaney Walker if you are tracking this he came from Central Missouri State another no star uh, player and then David Johnson who's one of the if it wasn't for that knee injury he would have been one of the better backs in the NFL but he's from Northern Iowa and he was an absolute stud at Northern Iowa but still not a very highly touted uh, player coming out of high school yeah I think
0: Brandon to your point I mean you, you could pick out a lot of guys on this list, right? And you can even tear down current NFL rosters or past NFL rosters. And there's guys like this that are sprinkled everywhere. So for us to just narrow it down was not only a tough task, but it it was one that is just... Like where do you draw the line, right? And right. and you clearly in some of your uh, honorable mentions went for you know the smaller school guys that were obviously undervalued, right? They weren't they Small weren't big school. or they would have gone to the bigger schools. You know, it, just interesting to take a look at that. But we'll we'll move on to the next segment here, guys. All of our listeners out there, you know, we always end our show with a prospect to watch segment. And again, this segment is we take a prospect at the college level who is uh, aiming to have a big 2020 season and catapult themselves in the NFL draft. And we generally try to pick out guys that you don't know, right? So kind of entices you to to listen and learn just outside of, of rankings and our opinion, but really understand the NFL draft landscape and what players in college football are really making headways up there and, and could be difference makers at the next level. So Kenny, I'm going to let you talk about this guy, uh, Max Bore uh Running back out of uh, Washington State University, and what's interesting about him is he's going from an air raid system that Mike Leach ran to now he's going to the run and shoot system mm-hmm. that's now being transferred over there. So, want don't, don't we talk about him, kind of his skill set, and uh, you know where we see him as far as an NFL prospect?
2: Yeah, he's really in the mold of that all-purpose back that you hear about—a guy who's really skilled at ru- r- rushing the ball out of the traditional back, you know. Out of traditional role in the backfield, and he's also really skilled at receiving. So, just to give you an idea, he's had 139 receptions in two years for 971 yards and nine touchdowns. Out, of, you know, out of the backfield, but he runs a lot of traditional routes as well. He's a pretty good receiver as a whole, and these and his rushing abilities has been awesome too. He's averaged six yards a carry over two years for 200 reps. He's had. Last year for his total yards from scrimmage, he had 213 touches, 1400 yards and 16 touchdowns. An extremely productive player His freshman year he had 12 touchdowns. He just has a nose for the end zone and one of the guys that he really reminds me of is Austin Eckler. Very similar size, they're both 5'10", 200 pounds. Max Borgie is 197 and they both kind of have that that dual set that dual threat out of the backfield type of game. If you look at if you look at austin eckler's receptions and his yards per reception he averages about 10 yards a reception that's what i, I want to see max Borgie kind of pump that up this year and i think Gless, with you talking about him getting switched over to the run and shoot with nick rolovich taking over i think he's going to have an opportunity to do that because right now he's averaging 7.1 and 7 and 6.9 yards a catch out of the backfield in his first two seasons, he's going to need to pump that up just a little bit in the, to be kind of that next big receiving threat in the NFL. But I think this is a guy who's going to force Nick Rolovich to kind of alter his scheme a little bit too. You're going to have to get this guy to ball. I know running the ball is not that big of a, of a thing in like focus, yeah, in the yeah, like and a focus. focus. but you need to get this. You need to give this guy the ball, however you can get it to him. And if that's, I don't care if it's jet sweeps. I don't care if it's if it's traditional. You know, out of shotgun. You know, delayed handoffs. Whatever it is, lining him up in the slot. This guy needs to get the football because he's the biggest key to success for Wazoo. Because he's their do everything guy on offense.
1: Yeah, he's a tough player to evaluate because I think if he stays at running back, he reminds me a lot of Rex Burkhead who's a pretty good running back from Nebraska when he played there, but he's really a receiving threat. I would argue more than a running threat. So this is what I'm thinking with Nick Rolovich. I think we're going to see him kind of transform. He'll be a running back, obviously, for Washington State. But I think we're going to start seeing him being utilized more in the receiving game as a slot receiver, which I think could be potentially his next position at the NFL level. So I wouldn't be surprised if we watch him in the NFL level. More of that Tavon Austin type of role, where you still see him get 8 to 10 carries a game, but you really see him being utilized more out of the slot, and you kind of see him more maybe on jet sweeps or occasionally throwing him back in the backfield on a motion type of uh, play. But really, I think his real position at the next level is going to be at the slot.
2: It'll be interesting. He's going to have to prove that he can learn all the route trees, because most of what he's done so far in Mike Leach's system is he's taken a lot of passes out of the backfield. You know, He's done some stuff in the slot, but like I said, if you look at his yards per catch, it's not... It's below seven for them. I mean, it's right at seven. So that, to me, screams that someone who hasn't – he's not running 10, 15-yard routes. He's been just sitting there kind of toward the line of scrimmage nah, as a dump-off guy. Yeah, no, it's a, a dump-off guy. Yeah, like uh, generally what a
0: running back is, you know, yeah. flare routes, you know, something where he get the ball behind the line of scrimmage and see if he can get some In yards space, out of it. yeah. Yep. To me, he reminds me a lot of Nick Holly for, you know, those XFL fans. Um, he was actually former running back out of Kent State – Reminds me a lot of him and and ideally how I think that Nick Rolovich will use him at Washington State since it is the same system. It's the run and shoot. So, you know, those out there want to just, you know, get on YouTube and look at Nick Holly XFL. I see see Max potentially being used a lot like Nick Holly was in that system to be able to kind of showcase his skill set as a receiver and again that makes it more valuable uh heading into the nfl draft and let's be honest guys i mean how many running backs have been drafted out of washington state university probably in the last 20 years it's not many no. and especially in the mike leach era there where they really just threw the ball yeah they ran it here and there but they wanted to sling it out in the air raid offense so uh, yeah, this, I, i'm extremely, extremely curious how he'll be used
1: yeah and if quarterbacks are able to transition from a quarterback position to a slot receiver like we've seen time and time again You can't tell me that a running back that still catches, like you said, Kenny, over 100 balls over the last two years can't make that transition. So I mean yes, we no, 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 no. still desire I, to I, see. I don't I don't, I don't like,
2: disagree with you. I don't think he can I don't think I think he can definitely transition. He's athletic enough. I just think for him to be only a slot receiver at the next level, I think you're severely limiting what he does athletically. I think well, he's I a, I think he's a running back first versus a slot receiver. I think he's a running back. Like that's why I compared him to Austin Eckler. Uh, Austin Eckler's a running back, but I mean he had ninety two catches last year. That's that's where I see him fitting most.
1: I think Eckler's a better running back than than Borgie. I think Borgie's a better receiver than running back.
0: Well, lucky, luckily, guys, we have mm, the 2020 really? college football season upon us, getting very close. Uh, student, our uh, players are starting to report to campus and texting, uh, texting a, a college football coach buddy. coaches at the University uh, Memphis, is it University of Memphis or Memphis University? University of University? Memphis. Yeah, University of Memphis yeah. uh, said that kids are already on campus and already working out. So, college football is upon us. So we will see how he's used in 2020 sooner rather than later. It's it's not a question of uh, if, it's a matter of when. So that's exciting. So you guys heard it here first. You have now heard our most undervalued recruits of the modern era. Again, if you did not listen to the most overhyped recruits of the modern era, again, that was kind of the, the, the sister pod that we did. You'll listen to a lot of guys that were extremely hyped that ended up not living up to it. And again, you just heard it here from... Pastel, Kenny, and myself on you know those recruits that weren't heralded but came out and just lit the world on fire. So uh, make sure you give that a listen. Uh, and as always, you can follow us and er- interact with us on social media. That's at Prospects101Pod. Again, that's at Prospects101Pod. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're posting polls throughout the week, different discussion items. If you're a big football fan, this is an account you do not want to miss. Uh, you can also listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, talking Apple Pod, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, you name it, we're on it. Uh, subscribe, stay up to date with all of our episodes. Again, we have a lot of great interviews coming up, a more great content on its way. Make sure you give us a five-star review as well, and appreciate you spreading the word. And for Kenny, for Pastel, and for myself, happy football, guys. Football's upon us.